and sing all our praises to the Lord this morning. Lay my life down at your feet You're the only one I need I turn to you and you are always there In troubled times it's you I seek I put you first, that's all I need I humble all I am, all to you one way jesus you're the only one that i could live for one way jesus you're the only one that i could live for you are always always there every how and everywhere your grace around so deeply within me you will never ever change yesterday today the same now and still forever meets no end one way jesus you're the only one that i could live for one way Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We live by faith and not by sight for you. We're living all for you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We live by faith and not by sight for you. We're living all for you. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way. Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus. You're the only one that I could live for. You're the only one that I could live for. You're the only one that I could live for. Amen. What a great way to start the service. Would you turn to your neighbor and please greet them this morning because we are very glad to have you here with us today.
days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sore, still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. So lift your voice. It's an year of jubilee and out of Zion's hill salvation days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as wide in the world. And we are the laborers word of the Lord. Behold, He comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. So lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee and out of Zion's hill salvation There's no God like Jehovah. 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 There's no God like Jehovah, there's no God like Jehovah. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, and the trumpet calls, so lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation trumpet calls so lift your voice it's a year of jubilee and out of Zion's hill salvation comes amen great singing you guys are excited this morning about serving God amen amen let's stay standing better is one day in his courts better is one day in heaven than any time that we could spend here on earth and that's the time we're going to have with him one of these days Your dwelling place, oh Lord Almighty, for my soul long. 
And if you'll be so kind to put your name on that and give it to a person somewhere near you, uh, we'll appreciate that. Some of our people this morning are in Ecuador, and so they're having a great time. I just got an email from Kenny. I don't know exactly what time of the night he sent it to me. But he said everybody's doing good, the ministry is going forward, and they are having a camping program for 85 orphans. And uh, it's, they're really excited, and the kids, our, our people's hearts are really opening up toward these little orphan kids. And he asked me to ask you to pray, of course, I know that you're doing that, uh, that they're going to go into the public school system this week and preach the gospel down there in Ecuador. Uh, we can't get near the public school system here in our country, but in many of these foreign countries, they welcome them in. And so they're going to go in and they're going to speak to hundreds of kids about the gospel of Christ. So please be thinking about them uh, during this time. That's why we put together this little prayer list inside your Sunday Courier. And uh, I'd like to encourage you, if you haven't already signed up, to be one of our summer prayers. This is, there's this little thing in your Courier today that says, I'll pray five days a week for July and August over the prayer list. And if you'll do that and put it in the offering plate today, I'll put your name on my prayer list and I'll pray for you that God will guard your quiet time. Because to me, that's the most important thing throughout the, the summer. You know, summer's going to come. It's here. It's going to leave us. But what we do with our soul is the important thing in the summertime. How we build our soul. We're not taking a vacation from God. And so praying this list keeps me on track. And Joanne and I just came back from Charleston, South Carolina. And we were on our little family vacation down there. And she had her list, I had my list. And we're sitting up there in our beach house uh, over, overlooking the ocean, and, and we're doing the list. We're praying through the list. And it just felt good to, to do that because it kept me connected to the church. And I know that there are many people away. Uh, we have, we're working on getting 200 prayers that will lift the church in prayer. And I know many of them are away today, but they're, they got their list. And that makes me feel good, that they're just not out there just having fun, and that's all they're doing. They're thinking of the church in their absence. So if you haven't signed up to do that, please put your name on that card. We'd like to have about 30 more of these little pieces of paper. So thank you in advance for that. Uh, also, uh, our sympathies go out to the... Um, Ruth Griffith family. Ruth uh, buried her husband this week. Uh, he was one of our Second World War veterans. And we had four, a few months ago, we had four veterans, sec Second World War in the church. Now we have two. Uh, he was a veteran and he, he was telling somebody, he said when he was 21 years old, he was digging a foxhole in Germany going after Hitler. And uh, boy, I've read about I've read about that war and about when they were in Germany going after Hitler. That was the, the close of the war. And he was part of a group that liberated one of the concentration camps. So he was, he was one of our heroes, Art Griffith. And he, he was only saved about 10 or 15 years ago. God saved him through the Second World War, the Korean War. Uh, and uh, he came to church and somebody in the church went to his house and led him to Christ.
And now he's uh, enjoying his reward. Uh, he deserves a good reward. Uh, he did a job well done. And you and I today can enjoy what he did over there in Germany. Uh, I think Ruth's name is in here somewhere, if you'll send her a little note and uh, tell her you're thinking of her. I know she'll appreciate that. Also, one other thing. Um, coming up in the middle of July, we're having another one of our membership classes, 101. If you've never gone to this, please fill out this little portion here, put it in the offering plate. We'll reserve a place for you at that luncheon. We'd love to have you come and I think it'll help you to understand more about what we're trying to do in the church. Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. We thank you every week for being faithful to the church. You know, that's one of the things that we're praying about this summer. Sometimes, and I know it's nobody in this, in this congregation this morning, sometimes when people go away in the summer, they forget the church financially. I know most of you are faithful. You're like clockwork. You, you, but there are some that sometimes take their money and spend it on vacation. So we're praying that the Lord make up the difference. And, and we've been doing real good so far, so let's just keep praying, okay? Dear Lord, we thank you so much for uh, giving us a job, a means of income, a way that we can support your ministry. We pray now that as we uh, give to you the gifts, uh, first of all, that you've given to us, that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. He 
Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of James in the New Testament. Book of James. If you find the book of Hebrews, you're near. If you find 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Peter, you've gone too far. So I give you a big target there. Book of James. James is one of those attractive books in the Bible. Could we get, uh, Benny, could we get just a little bit more treble on this microphone? Uh, James is one of the attractive uh, books in the Bible because it's, there's so many things that are so practical. You know, sometimes we read about historical things and we say, okay, history is fine. Uh, sometimes we read about the kings uh, of Israel and we say, that's interesting. Uh, but James is a book of the Bible that you can actually get your teeth into. It's actually going to tell you how to conduct yourself in this world in which we live. It's first of all about the trials and the tests that we go through in life, and there are many. Let's look at chapter 1, verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. This James is none other than the brother of our Lord. Um, grew up in the same home as Jesus, uh, did not believe in him uh, for a long time, but Jesus appeared to him. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says Jesus appeared to James. I'm sure that appearance after his resurrection was something pretty neat. How you doing, brother, James? You know, we grew up together. And he said, now that I see that you're resurrected, I I really do believe in you. This James in history goes down as uh, the person who had calluses all over his knees. He was known as camel knees because he prayed so much. And so here he is, and he's writing this book, James the Bondservant. He said, I'm a slave of God. Uh, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, to the Jews... Uh, he is a Jew. He's writing to Jews. And he says, Greetings, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. These people to whom he was writing were uh, people all over the world that were suffering for their faith. Now, you and I don't really understand that. Maybe one of these days in America we'll understand it more because there is a movement in America to suppress Christianity. 
There really is. Uh, we have it pretty good right now, but back in this day, uh, they didn't. And he said, listen, I know you're going through a lot of trials out there because you're a Christian, but I want you to uh, have joy about this thing. And that seems kind of strange to us because how could joy ever connect with trials in life? You know, trials in life mean depression, right? He says, listen, don't be depressed. Be joyful. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, or uh, if you like to write in your Bible and you don't have this word, write the word endurance. Endurance. But let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and he will give it to him. Now, in life you need wisdom, right? How should I make this decision? Oh, Lord, give me the direction. I don't know what way to go in. And so he says, listen, when you need that, you just come to me and I'll help you with it. But then he says that there's a special way that you have to get wisdom from me, and it's given in verse 6, but let him ask in faith. And I have that highlighted in my Bible with one of those yellow highlighters that jumps out and grabs a hold of you, you know. Ask in faith. Don't just repeat the words to God and hope for the best. Actually, when you, when you have a promise like this from the Lord, you don't have to hope for the best. You just expect the answer that God's going to give you because he said he's going to do it. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Uh, he is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exultation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass and a flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. And what that essentially means is this. In life, God gives some people riches, some people he gives poverty. But in the final analysis, everyone goes the same way. Our life is a vapor, no matter if we're rich or we're poor. Uh, it just appears for a little time, and then it's gone. Verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation or trials, for when he has approved or passes the test, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for he cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. Years ago, I used to hear people say, oh, God is tempting me to do this. Do, do any of you remember when somebody said that? I haven't heard that in years. God doesn't tempt anyone to do anything wrong. That's not his business. His business is to take us away from temptation. Remember he taught his disciples, Lord, deliver us from temptation. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Uh, I'd like to talk to you this morning about living faith, being tested by trials. You know, it's easy to say that we have faith in God. It's harder to live it. It's easy to say it. It's harder to walk it. Uh, many people, whenever they came to the book of James, I understand, didn't even want to put it in the Bible because they thought it contradicted the book of Romans. 
The, Romans, the book of Romans says we are justified, we are made right with God through faith. And when you read the book of James, it seems to say we are made right with God through works or what we do. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But that's talking about the legal side. You know, we are justified legally by faith. James in the Bible is talking about the practical side of justification. In other words, how are we justified in the eyes of people? We know that we're only saved by faith. Faith is the only way to heaven. But uh, God says, listen, I want more than that out of you. You have to be justified in your community, in your family, in your church, by how you live. Uh, I know that you're declared righteous. I want you to act righteous because you know that part of the Bible in James that says faith without works is what? It's dead, right? So James is talking about the practical side. Uh, he encourages, first of all, his readers about trials and temptations. These people, the Jews that are spread around the world, he calls those people who are scattered abroad. You see that in verse number one? The word scattered abroad is the Greek word diaspora, which means through sowing. You know, when you go out and you plant grass seed, you reach down. I don't know exactly how you do it, but sometimes if you want to do a spot, you take a thing and you just go like that. And you hope that, you know, you're getting an even thing of grass seed. That's that's what this verse means. God took his people in times past, just like this, and went like that and covered the world. He took the Jew, and he spread the Jew around the world, and everywhere you go today, you can find a community of Jewish people. And they are meeting together on Saturday in their synagogues, and they are worshiping God, Jehovah. And so these people are Jewish people, but... They are completed Jewish people. They are people who have embraced Jesus as their Messiah. Now, that's another problem. It's a one problem to be a Jewish person in the world. At this particular time, it is an even bigger problem to be a Christian Jew because they were even persecuted from the Jewish population. And so these people are trying, they're just like you, they're trying to make a living. Making a, living, making a living is hard to do. They're trying to make a living. They're trying to make a home. They're trying to provide for their kids. And on top of that, they have religious persecution. Now, that's, not, that's hard. That's hard. You and, I don't, you and I have the first part. You know, we're trying to make a living. We do not have religious persecution, at least of yet. And so the Lord says, and so James says, listen, these people that God has sown around the world, they're being persecuted. And Acts chapter 8, verse 1, uh, gives part of the story. Let's read it together, okay? Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. You see the word scattered there? It's the same word as in James 1. Diaspora. Persecution came to the Christians in the book of Acts. The apostle Paul was the perpetrator 
the instigator of that persecution. And, uh, and the people ran out of Jerusalem, and they took off to Judea, to Samaria, all over the world. They were running because they were going to be killed. And, uh, and God's will was behind it all, because God was scattering once again his people in the world as a testimony to his name. And so these people are isolated. You know, we live essentially contradictory to what some people may say in a Christian country. Now, I know that our Christian liberties are being taken away from us, and there's always attack in America on, on Christianity, but as far as the percentage is concerned, we are still contrary to the, to the public media, the liberal media, we are still a Christian nation. Uh, because most people in this country want to serve God, they want to have a Christian, Judeo-Christian ethic. Uh, but these people didn't have that. They were thrown out into a world of heathendom. And they were a, a light in a dark place by themselves. And so he's encouraging them about their having, going through all those trials. And the first way he encourages them is in a positive way. Now, this is strange to me, but when you have a Bible, you can understand it. If you don't understand what the Bible says, you can't figure it out. Let's look at it. Verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. In other words, face your trials with joy. Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? Trials are su su supposed to make you sad. They're supposed to depress you. They're supposed to be like, I have so many trials, it's driving me crazy. But he says, listen, I don't want you to look at your trials like that. I want you to have joy. And there's that neat little word, joy, kara, that pretty little word. He says here, I want you to count those trials with joy. That means evaluate them. Uh, you know, we don't relish pain. We, we hate pain. We run from pain. Uh, what James is saying this is pain has a purpose in your life. Figure out the purpose of pain in your life. Pain is the opening through which God comes into our life. I'm convinced of it. Absolutely convinced. I don't know many people trying to find God when the sun is always shining and everything is going well. I don't think they're seeking God. But let pain come into their life. I'll tell you what, they're ready to serve God. They're ready to at least open up the subject. Pain is the opening through which God comes into our life. And so James is saying, listen, I want you to look at this pain that's coming your way, and I want you to be joyful about it. And then he gives us a reason. Let's look at it. Knowing, verse 3, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Uh, every trial is a test of your faith. Now, if we could just open uh, the service today and have a little forum... And you could stand up and say, hey, let me tell you about the trials in my life. We'd get, like, washed away in this auditorium. We'd say, oh, don't tell me anymore. I can't take it. You know, we have lots of trials. Well, they're for a purpose. They are a test of our faith. God tests our faith through trials. 
And, uh, and if we pass the test, this is what happens to us. Look at it in verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now the word endurance is a very interesting word. It's made up of two Greek words. Hupo mane. Hupo means under and mane means to remain. And so the word endurance means to remain under. And so God's trying to give you the strength to remain under the problems of your life. To keep moving in spite of all of your problems. Now, I know it would be great if God would take away all of our problems. That's not going to happen. His business is to give you strength to face your problems. To remain under them. And so, and so here, here we go. We start out in life and we think, boy, life is beautiful, right? And after a while we say, hey, you know, life's getting kind of ugly. And then we say, you know, life is just really hard. And then we say, life is really impossible. So what God wants to do is he wants to give you the strength to remain under the problems of your life because as you grow older, your problems become greater. You have more problems when you get older because you're responsible for more people. And they have more broken hearts that you have to try to help soothe. And so, and so God says, listen, I'm sending you this pain. I'm allowing this pain to happen in your life to make you stronger, to remain under the burdens of life. Life is burdensome. Uh, you know, older people, I won't go there. Older people, they sometimes walk like this, you know. They've carried a lot of burdens. They're just stooped over. That's what life does to a person. And so spiritually speaking, he says, listen, I want to make you strong. I want to make you be able to walk. I want to give you endurance because that's what you have to have. You have to have endurance. This is a long journey. And so this is the way he says, I'm going to give you endurance. James 1, 4 in the New Living Translation says this. Let's read this together, please. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. You know, there are so many things in life that you can't control. Almost all of life you can't control. You just have to respond to it. You just have to be tough enough to take it. Okay? So the way that happens is when God allows these trials to come into your life, he's trying to build your endurance, and he's trying to build you up and make you strong. And, and I want you to notice here, not necessarily strong physically, although that's not bad, but strong spiritually in character. So that means when the devil and the world and everybody in the world throws its darts at you, you can stand up because you know what you're about. You are a child of God. And you can take the hits that the world sends your way because you're strong in character and you're, what's those last three words? Let's say it together. Ready for anything. Now that's cool. That is really cool. Man, I like that. So that means that when your life gets tough and tougher and harder and harder and more disappointments and trials, you can stand. You can still stand up and you can take it. And you'll be ready for the next bomb to go off if your endurance and strength has been built up. 
Okay? So God's trying to make you stronger. He's trying to make me stronger. And, and look where it goes right here. And let endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect. Now, in my Bible, it reads mature. We'll never be perfect, just mature. A mature, complete, lacking nothing. Complete. God wants to make you complete so that you'll be ready for anything. Now, some of you have had a tough year. I'm just looking at some of you. Some of you have had a real tough year. And, uh, but God, these things happen in our life. And God wants to give us strength that we can face them and still be standing after all of the, everything is, is gone. Now, there is a promise. Uh, what God is trying to do is give you deeper communion and greater trust in Christ. Who do we run to when we have a problem? Now, I know sometimes you have a special friend, you call them on the phone and you say, oh boy, my day is bad. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> and when you tell them about it, then you have two people that have a bad day. Uh, but when we have a problem, we're supposed to go to the Lord and give it to him. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Let's read this. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, the Lord... He understands us. He understands what's going on in our life. And he says, listen, come on. I have big shoulders. Give it to me. Cast your care. Give me your care because I care about you. You know, we don't want our kids going to the neighbors and telling the neighbors the, their problems. We want them to come to us and we want, us, we want to help them with their problems. So it is with God. Uh, God says, listen, I know you've got a lot of problems. Just come to me. I care about you. And then he says, if you do this and your character becomes developed, I'm going to reward you. And look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation or testing, trials. For when he has been approved or passed the test, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those that love him. Now, when... It, so here we have these trials, and God says, listen, I want you to pass the test because I want, to, I want you to be stronger. Now, if you do this, I'm going to give you a crown in heaven. You have endured. Now, there are some people in our church that they're just ready to step over into heaven. You know, they have one foot already there. And when they get there, I think, don't look at me like that. Uh, when they get there, uh, God is going to say, okay, here's your crown. You have endured. You have made it. You have learned from the trials of your life. And you have become stronger all the way up to the end. And I don't like to use this, this phrase because it's overused, but I will anyway because some of you have never heard it. Uh, you have finished strong. You have finished strong. Uh, and, so, and so the Lord says, in effect, if you finish strong, I'm going to have a special crown to put on your head because you have learned how to endure the trials of life. Okay? Now, one other thing, that's positive. He says, so, so let's kind of summarize this this morning. All of us have trials, right? Some of us have lots of trials. And so James says, listen, I want you to evaluate your trials 
and be joyful because I'm trying to make you stronger. Let's be happy. Now that ought to be, a, that is kind of a happy thought, you know, that it really is. Uh, to know that we can be stronger because tougher things are coming. And we're going to be, according to the Bible, ready for anything. So that's the positive side of this whole thing. Let's put on a smile, face our tri trials, because God is making us better. And, and, and here's, we're, we're, we want to be not bitter, but what? Better, right? And so we have that choice to make. You and I know people, they've had a lot of problems, they're so bitter about everything. Nothing is good, everybody's bad. I mean, it's just bitterness, bitterness, bitterness. Well, that, God doesn't want us to be bitter. He wants us simply to be better. That's all. Okay, let's look at the next part of this, and that's the negative part. Look over in verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Now, we know who the tempter is, don't we? The devil. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. You know, temptation is in every difficult circumstance. Whenever the trials of life come your way, you are tempted to face them either with the right attitude or the wrong attitude. And if you face them with the wrong attitude, you are playing into the devil's trick in your life because if you have the wrong attitude, you don't get the right result. Satan is trying to make you weaker, not stronger. Okay? Satan wants to weaken you. Satan wants to weaken me. And he wants to hurt your testimony. You know, testimony is hard to get and easy to lose. And so, and so uh, his purpose is to weaken you. These trials that enter our life can either strengthen us or they can be a solicitation to evil. Let me say this about temptation. Temptation is not sin. I know a lot of times people are discouraged because, you know, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and things bother you, like sinfulness. You know, it's like, and you look at that and you say, and you're tempted. But remember, temptation is not sin. It becomes sin when you entertain it, not just exposed to it, okay? So, so you go out into the world, and everywhere you look, you're tempted. That's not sin. Um, 1 Corinthians 10.13 is a wonderful passage of Scripture on this. Let's read this together, please. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Okay, this passage says that the temptations you have and the temptations that I have are the same temptations. They're common to man. Now, oftentimes I think you think, well, you know, I'm having these temptations and nobody has these but me. Wrong. We all do. They're common. Human nature is the same. Okay? Uh, and so they're common to us, but God will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able. He knows your breaking point, and he will allow temptations to come your way, 
But when these temptations come our way, the Bible says that he will provide a way to escape. Look at that. That you may be able to bear it. So here you're tempted to do something that's wrong, to think some thought that's wrong. God always gives us an exit plan, an escape. And so what happens is we can either fall into the temptation of the devil or we can step out of it. We can take God's exit. Uh, and so this is the negative part. And so when trials come our way, and so what we want to do is relate this to trials. When trials come our way, um, they can be a temptation to you to get discouraged. Someone has said that discouragement is Satan's greatest tool in the life of a Christian. Discouragement. Um, now, when these temptations come, we always have a tendency to blame someone else for our problems, don't we? We do. Uh, we're all good at that. I do that, you do that. When something happens and we make a mistake, we do something's wrong, we say, well, it's because of they did that. Or this person did that. We, we have trouble taking credit for our own mistakes. Look at verse number 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now we have this little saying in our culture that goes like this. We are our own worst what? Enemy, right? That is true. That's true. Some, some people say, well, you know, if I had, if this person would change, if that person would change, don't work like that. We have to change. We have to change. Change begins with us. Because that's what the Bible says here. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. We are, our, are the worst problem we have. It's us. And so we have this struggle all the time going on. These desires that we have to go in the wrong direction. And so, so the Lord is trying to get you to respond to the trials of life positively, not negatively. And what he does here is he, um, as he, he creates uh, what we call a personification. He explains the process of how sin develops in our life in verse 14 and 15. Let's look at it. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. These desires are in our heart. We're enticed. So he draws the picture of a woman having a baby. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. We believe that life begins at conception. The very moment of conception, that's when life begins. And so God here is explaining how sin works in our life. We are enticed to be sure, but it doesn't become sin until we give in to it. We, conception takes place. Now, when conception takes place in the life of a woman, we can't see it for a while, right? It's something, it's inside, you know, but eventually we say, hey, what's going on here? We see that. And so it is with sin. Sin is that inside entertainment. Okay, we kind of massage the idea. Okay, Okay, and so what happens is it starts growing in, in us. Nobody can see it, but eventually it, it develops. Look at it. It says it becomes full-grown and brings forth death. Eventually it becomes mature. 
Uh, and, uh, and then it brings death. Sin always brings death. Always brings death. You can never get the right result doing the wrong thing. It just cannot happen. And so here we do. We entertain the wrong thing. It always brings forth the wrong, the wrong result. And the Bible says the end is death. And remember, this is talking to Christians right here. And what does the word death mean? Death means this. It means evil actions. It means even possible physical death. I think I know a few Christians that have died prematurely. They've made some bad decisions. Uh, they persisted in those decisions. And they died way before their time was up uh, because of those bad decisions. And so here we find it. Uh, all of us have these trials that come into life. The Lord says, listen, put a smile on your face. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to strengthen you to make you better because this road is a long road that you have to walk. You have to know how to make it when your kids have problems and when there are physical issues going on in your home. You have, to, you have to have the strength to put one foot in front of the other again and you have to have the strength to go the next day and I'll give you that strength if you, uh, if you realize that I'm trying to build strength and, and uh, I'm going to give you the strength to go on. Then he talks about one other thing, and that's trusting in him through it all. Look at verse number five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But ask in faith. Now, when these trials come into our life, you know, I know, I know what I do most of the time is I try to fix it. I've told people I'm a fixer. You know, if something's broke, I'll get out of the way. <laughs> Sometimes I do more harm than good. <laughs> but I'm there, get out of the way, let me fix it. Or else I take it over to Ross Haney and let him fix it for real. <clears throat> when, when, something, uh, when something comes, you know, I like to fix it. But the Bible says here, when these trials come our way, we are to seek wisdom from God. Slow down. Seek wisdom from God. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, wisdom brings success. Uh, you want to be a successful person, get God's wisdom. You know that, so that means you've got to slow down and say, Lord, this situation is going on. Please help me with it. I need your wisdom. Boy, I, I just don't know what decision to make. Have you been there recently? Sure. Uh, and then, though, when you do that, uh, don't expect, always expect God to invite you in. The Bible says he doesn't upbraid. He, he does it without reproach. He doesn't resent you coming to him with your problems. Uh, you know, we could have the idea that God says, oh, no, here he comes again. Doesn't he ever learn? God does not do that. He knows how weak you are. And he says, okay, come on. Come on. I, I won't treat you. I won't, I won't be condescending to you because you're a child and I know you're weak. And I'll help you out again and again and again and again. And I'll never look at you strangely for coming to me for wisdom. I'll never give you a strange look. 
I won't put you down because you don't seem to learn the lesson. I will always welcome you in. But then he says, listen, you've got to ask in faith. And so that means and the only way that you can do that is you have to grow as a Christian. And uh, if you don't grow as a Christian, you're not very good at praying in faith. You know that? You'll throw up a prayer and hope for the best, right? But no, it's not going to be answered. But when you have faith, uh, you'll throw up a prayer and you'll expect God to answer it. That's the difference. And so the only way that we can be people of faith is we have to grow. We have to grow, grow, grow. And I, I only know one way to do that. And that's to be close to God all the time. Close to God all the time. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, boy, James really hit it on the head, didn't he? He talked to people that had more problems than we do. And he said, listen, God wants to make you stronger because even though you're bending under the problems right now, there are bigger ones in the future. And so I'm just trying to build your endurance. I'm just trying to make you stronger, that's all, so that you can face the long journey uh, because I love you and I want you to continue to the end. I want you to finish well. And so I want to encourage you today to let your trials mold you uh, and to respond to your trials in the right way. Don't become bitter because you have so many things going on. God's trying to make you better. And seek wisdom and faith. Become a growing Christian. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word today. I pray that as we have just scratched the surface, Lord, of these tremendous issues, I pray that you will apply these issues to every heart. Lord, help every person in our church today to reach out and take a piece of this message for themselves and apply it to their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We'll have our invitation uh, this morning. and. A you'd like to respond to the Lord in any way to what we've been talking about from the Bible, you just feel free to come and pray about it right here in the front of the church as we sing together.
draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. No one else will. Nothing else could take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find the way and bring me back to you. Be seated. It's good, good to see you folks today, and uh, thanks for being here with us. And today is the actual day of Pastor's 50th wedding anniversary. <laughs> Pastor and jo Pastor and Joanna, they're going to make their way up here. Bob, if you'd help. And uh, you know, it's kind of not fair. I was telling the other services on the 50th wedding anniversary, making them work. Joanne has a great class, and the boss is working here, so uh, we'll, we have to treat them nice now, huh? But you know what? I was looking on the internet and uh, trying to get some uh, ideas, you know. And uh, I found this one site, and I thought this was really cool. The guy was really, I thought, was sincere, and he's, he said, "Man, I took my lovely wife uh, for our 25th to Hawaii." And I thought, boy, this nice. And then he goes, uh, and then on our 50th, he went to pick her up. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't going to use it, but on Saturday night yeah, I did. And it it went over good, our eyes. So. Uh, then I went down a little further, and it said 50 years. It's a half a century. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Half a century. I, I got depressed. I thought, oh, my God. But anyway, scary, hey, I looked, I, I looked, I'm kind of a, like a statistical guy. So I look under at the U.S. Census Bureau and get this, only, it's kind of sad, but it's good for us. One out of 20 marriages make it 50 years, 5%. Isn't that amazing? So that's just unbelievable. Now, we want to celebrate with Pastor and Joanne, of course. They're our first family, amen? And uh, they're definitely God's gift to our church. So we kind of did things backwards. Last night, we had cake. That, that's the fun crowd, Saturday night. So we had a nice cake out in the foyer, and, and, and we had a good time. And then in the first service at 930, 
we brought this gift up. I'm going to repeat it for, the, for you guys. Uh, we're going to send them away on a, a couple night getaway Lanca- to Lancaster, PA. And uh, they're going to stay at the Country Living Inn. And uh, from what I hear, Pat, that's where Pastor likes to go because they have one of those. Uh, Bill Best loves those buffets, you know. Amen. And, uh, but we've got to have a little class, so we've got to make sure for Joanne's sake, we're going to go to the, they're going to send them to the, we'll send them to the Sight and Sound Theater. So that'll be nice. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, Amen. I'm more excited about this one. Okay? Bob, you've got to help me out here. You're scaring me now. No, this is, Holy cow. Please. Now, this, is, this has to guarantee they have to stay around. Okay? I'm, I'm afraid now. Yeah. Uh, this is not, now, I, I, I made a pat with Diane that I wouldn't make you open it, so I'll explain it so you, you don't have to embarrass you. yourself. Okay? Now, this is like a, this device is like a large smartphone uh, or a small laptop computer. And so, but because of its size, Just you can relax. take it. Oh, now, Joanne. No, and and it, it's a it's an electronic tablet that has access to email and the internet. It has all kind of Bible applications. Now, this thing is called an iPad 3. All right, and uh, that's nice. Let's clap for them. All right, that's good. Wow. Now they have to. Oh, well, you have to use it, and then you can't go anywhere. See, now. I went to Dan Freeze, my son-in-law. He's kind of the internet, I mean the um, uh, techie type. He, he wasn't sure. So I, I gets Wade this morning. I said, Wade, uh, come on up, Wade. I said, Wade, what is an iPad 3? So he got a definite, you're going to love this. You're going to love it. I'm going to let him read this to you. Here, 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 here. Up here, Wade, please. Yeah, we're going to embarrass you too. All right, all right. Well, as- First of all, what is that? Well, this is an iPad 2, so I just wanted to make sure, because I thought there was an iPad 3, so what would you do? You have to Google it, and you get, for Google, you know, they got the ads up top, but if you go to the first one after that, it says, an iPad is a magical window where nothing comes between you and what you love. (laughs) How about that, huh? All right. All right, Pastor. Before we send them... uh, uh, to the back, to, uh, so you guys can all uh, shake their hands and give them a, a hug. Uh, maybe the boss wants to say Yes, this. sir. Thank you. Oh, Thank you, you Jim. Uh, we certainly appreciate all these things. I look forward to that buffet out there, especially. And I'm going to need, I'm going to drive Brandon Hoffman crazy now for technical advice on this, on this thing. Thank you very much. Uh, Fifty years ago today, uh, the pastor stood in the little church Uh, in Sherman, Texas. He repeated his oft-repeated words, uh, and I said, I do, and she said, I do, and we meant it. We meant it. Uh, Did you like the pictures we uh, put in the courier today? Did you see... uh, Did you see the one of Kennywood? Did you see that? I don't know whether they have those things out there you're going to put a whatever you're in, and it starts flipping pictures. So we, I remember we went in there, and all these pictures were going off, and I, I, didn't, we, I didn't get the pose yet. <laughs> and so we have some strange, this is the best one we have. We have some strange expressions. And uh, when I asked, Jesus, I asked uh, Joanne to marry me, I, I told her that I would give her the stars, and she ended up at Kennywood. <laughs> on our honeymoon. And so I think that's one reason the strange expression there. She probably thought, is this it? I said, I said, honey, you ought to wait to 
to go with me on Noah's Ark in Kennywood. How about that for romance, huh? Well, uh, we met each other when we were 18 years of age and we got married right, uh, right when we were both turning 20. And so you can do the math. <laughs> I was telling one group in our church that Joanne and I were married when we were 13. Uh, and uh, Lois Giesman, believe me. <laughs> and after the service, she said, Pastor, you weren't really married when you were 13, were you? And uh, I said, no, not really. But uh, we, had a, we had a vision. Our vision was to serve the Lord and uh, seek first the kingdom of God. And so I think we stand today as living proof. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God will work out the details. There are many details in life that have to be worked out. But Joanne and I are living our dream. We really are. That was our desire to serve the Lord, and God has been with us all these years. And I can't wait to play with this new iPad. <laughs> and we can write notes to each other. Yeah, yeah, we can write notes to each other. <laughs> She could sit out on the porch and I could sit in front of the Meekum car auction and we could like, we could like talk back and forth. Well, honey, yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, that was great. Come on, I, just, I have to, I have just to jump, make... honey. Come on, jump. <laughs> I just have to make one comment. You know, and I'm the country bumpkin. He's the city boy. But I, you know, when I dated Deb, we didn't go to Noah's Ark. What was that? The old meal, the old meal, right? I just want to clarify that. Jim, Jim, you are a, you are you are a romantic. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, I'll get serious now. Let's have a word of prayer and make and then uh, make your way back to see the pastor. Dear God, we thank you so much for what a wonderful uh, day this has been. Thank you for blessing our church and especially Pastor and Joanne and uh, the boys and their wives, God. We just thank you so much for them. And uh, God, we just pray that you would just bless the remainder of the day. Uh, may their day be special. I pray you'll give them many more years to uh, lead uh, us that we may uh, be used of you to see the kingdom grow. And we just thank you for what are, uh, un, your unfailing love and what you mean to us. And we ask all these things in your most precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you, folks. Please stand, and you may be dismissed.